T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Cook County Assessor Fritz Kage isn't getting much of a honeymoon in the job he won from Joe Berrios last year. He promised to reform a property tax system many said was unfair and corrupt, and some big property owners are seeing the results and don't like them. We're going to talk about the price of reform and a lot more this weekend. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Financial manager Fritz Kage won the Democratic primary for county assessor by defeating the then chairman of the Cook County Democratic Party, Joseph Berrios. Berrios was accused of running a system fraught with inequities and made unbalanced, often by clout. Uh, Kage easily won the job itself and immediately started working to change things. Fritz Kage is a native Chicagoan, born and raised in Hyde Park. He and his family now live in Oak Park, and he joins me in the studio Fritz Kage, welcome. Thanks or for welcome having me back. here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, Craig. It's good to be back here. Well, before we talk about what you've done with the assessor's office, uh, let's take a moment to give a sense uh, for the listeners about what you walked into. Uh, your first executive order um, mentioned the culture of the office. What was going on in that office when you took over? Well, uh, first of all, there were multiple family members of the previous assessor working there, so we had to bring in a whole new uh, professional staff. Uh, we think the folks who work in the who do the rank and file work in the office wanted to be led better. They'd invest a lot in their technical skills, and the voters wanted. The first thing they asked me is to bring in more professionals, and so we did. We brought in my chief of st- uh, my chief of staff, who had been David Orr's chief of staff. We brought in Don Meyer, who'd run lending at a major local bank. We brought in a, a new position, chief data officer, because we knew. The office needed a more better stewardship. Uh, well, the first day we came in on the ninth floor of our office where the analysts sit, we introduced ourselves to uh, the analysts who were working there, and many of them had never seen the assessor's senior staff before or the assessor. Wow. So that was, that was a cultural change. Um, and these are the those, that's really the cutting edge of what the office does, so that was surprising. The other thing that surprised us was all around us on the ninth floor, were boxes of paper everywhere. You remember that scene from the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yes. At the end where they hid the Lost Ark amongst all these boxes in a warehouse that extended to the whole horizon? Well, imagine a whole side of a city block from Randolph to Washington, boxes piled high in a room with very high ceilings, just full of papers from appeals from the last couple of years and ordered in in which, and filed in the order in which they were received. So if we wanted to pull all of the appeals for Evanston, we'd have to go to 30 different boxes. There was no sprinkler up there. And uh, imagine for a moment if there possibly could have ever been nefarious activities in the office. The thing that kept me up at night is what if this, what if someone put a torch to it? Um, So we got those boxes out of there, all 600 tons worth. um, And that those boxes sort of epitomize the things that we have to work on. Uh, Old antiquated processes, too many appeals, bogging down the work of very talented uh, uh, 
people and data that's buried in paper that we could better leverage if we had it electronically at the start of the assessment office rather than through appeals. So that really encapsulates a lot of what we found when we came in. But we had we were very lucky to have terrific uh, voter support, the attention of the civic community in Chicago. Many people have had personal experiences with the assessment system that have been very negative. So people have really widely embraced our, our values of um, ethics, transparency, and fairness, bringing that to our assessor's office. You know, other parts of the country um, get this as a matter of routine. It's not very remarkable. Why don't we deserve it here? That's what many people have said. Now, I know among the other things that you uh, instituted were uh, visitor logs, um, codes of conduct. In talking about those, explain why people should care about the internal workings of an office that, frankly, doesn't come to most uh, people's minds until they get their assessments, or if they didn't pay attention to that when they get their property tax bills. Why should people care about how those inside things work for you? Really great question, because uh, to have faith that um, your tax bill is fair you have to f- have faith that not only is your assessment upon which that bill is fair, but you also need to th- know that every other assessment that we've made in the whole area that you live in is also fair because you are up in the numerator. So you're, the amount of property tax you pay is your assessment divided by the total assessed value, if you live in Chicago, of Chicago. And then you multiply that by the levies, which are set by all these different taxing bodies. So we don't raise revenues. We don't raise taxes. We don't decide how much taxes are going to raise. What our assessments do don't change how much is collected in total, but it does affect your share of it. So you need to know that you are only paying your fair share of that levy, which is determined by others. And that's our work. And so having an ethical assessor, having confidence in our stewardship, knowing that some people are not getting an edge or abusing the system or benefiting from a lack of data is just as important as having faith that your assessment was calculated fairly. So that's why we talk so much about visitors' logs, so that who's visiting the office is out in the open because there has been this legacy of distrust. Um, having that ethics executive order where, where I undertake not to take any contributions from appeals lawyers or appraisers who practice before is really important. That's one of the strong areas where people love to see uh, that commitment and people want to know that. Um, that we have strong commitments not to take donations from people working in the office, that conflicts of interest are limited, that employees can't be assessing their own family's property. People like people need to know that because stewardship, if, if people don't have faith in the stewardship of the office, which has a lot of discretion, um, they, they need to have confidence in that stewardship. Well, let's, let's talk about where the rubber meets the road uh, on that, and that's the assessments themselves. Sure. Now, in everyday language... Uh, can you explain what was wrong with the way property was being assessed in the county uh, up to the point when you took over? People hear the word unfair, um, but how can these kinds of numbers lie or mislead? Well, thank thank you, Craig. So um, the way we're supposed, our job under the law is to assess the value of every property based on its market value. So we have to estimate the market value of every property in Cook County. And then it's adjust, and that's all the office buildings down to the smallest sausage stands and bowling alleys. Um, and we have to take that based on the building characteristics information we have and the data we have about prices. And um, each person's evaluation becomes their share of this 
of uh, of this larger bill. Um, but the problem is that if um, uh, previously many of these assessments had no visible relationship with market values. I grew up in Chicago, and my dad showed me our the the assessment on our house, and the assess the number didn't seem to have any relationship with uh, what market value was. And so on the one hand that could make you feel like you're getting a deal, but if everyone is getting a number that's really low and that doesn't affect your, that doesn't actually, that can actually increase your share of the assessed value because everyone has a low number. It's hard to know if you're getting a good deal or not. And so I think the original sin of the office was one, not using market prices because then the office isn't accountable. It's harder to verify the work that we're doing. And two, it would be injecting favoritism into maybe uh, favoring one group um, with extra low assessments. And when you do that, you that's to the detriment of everyone else. Everyone else has to pay more of that levy. And so the original sin, I think, is to deviate from using market values because when we use market values, that's the most immediate w way that we can be accountable and demonstrate that, that we're not favoring some to the detriment of others. If I'm uh, interpreting it correctly, uh, or in everything that we've covered over the last couple of years, some major businesses or major properties, landmarks in some cases, or icons, uh, were assessed at bargain prices? Yes, so uh, we have seen, I'll just give you one example that's actually kind of humble, that's not even a famous case. We saw that um, personal storage units uh, were, Used, they used an incredibly uh, uh, favorable definition of value to them such that um, their operating income was valued, the, at the value of the property was at six times their operating income. Now, I used to own one of these property storage companies when I was a portfolio manager. And in the market, they trade at something closer to 25 or 30 times. So that would lead to dramatic undervaluation of that personal storage facility, which is probably owned by a company that's not even based in Chicago, to, at the expense of everyone else. Everyone else has to pay more when that one group, than when that one small group um, is paying less. And if we don't have good data on things as basic as commercial properties, office buildings, apartment buildings, um, personal storage units, everything else, then... Um, we are not in a good position to value them, and that can lead us to undervaluing those buildings. Now, it's we go. We are going through case by case as we reassess each township of Cook County. We have seen in many cases dramatic undervaluation of commercial properties. We're not saying that that will be the case as we go into future ones, but I've got to say that when we evaluate the work of the previous assessor, we see that there was dramatic undervaluation in many cases. Um, that bore no relation with actual prices, that if you told someone the market that this was how they were valued, they'd laugh at you. Um, we saw, we've seen many cases of that in, um, in, you know, in a wide variety of commercial buildings, and that has caused everyone else to have to pay more than their fair share of property taxes, in some cases quite large uh, deviations. So what do you do to fix things? I mean, you have to come up with a new formula, but mm -hmm. uh, how do you... Uh, you know, with the uh, proviso that you're you know, you're not going to get so technical that uh, that no one can understand. But, well, <laughs> and I know you know how to do this. Uh huh. But what do you do with the numbers and how you 
make those judgments. Well, ultimately, the test is if we've estimated something is worth a certain value and it's purchased in the market, that is a test for how we're doing. Um, and if we can get it within 10 or 15 percent under, um, uh, you know, it, it, international standards, that is a good performance. But we are far out of that range right now. And oftentimes we've undershot it significantly. We see many cases where there are buildings that have much more money in the mortgage uh, than in how we valued it. So that means that the lender thinks that the building has been worth much more. We subscribe to a database uh, where we can look inside commercial mortgage-backed securities and see the appraisals that people have given to their lender and what they said uh, those buildings are worth. And many times it's multiples of what we have valued them at. And as part of these mortgages, they report their quarterly profit and losses. And so we can estimate them really accurately what they'd be worth in the market. And so we have data on some of these properties now, but not all of them, especially um, uh, the, as further we go out into the neighborhoods, further we go out and look at small properties, our assessments are all over the place. And sometimes we may be over assessing them because smaller properties are uh, usually less profitable, might be more expensive to operate, might get lower rents, might have more vacancy. And in those cases, uh, we need to have better data that represents what's going on there so we can treat them fairly, right? The data that we have sort of skews to the, the more expensive properties, the higher end properties. So we can make adjustments there. We think we're getting on the way. We'll be able to do a good job, but we still lack so much commercial data that that's we're, we brought in the really good people. We brought in um, the best contemporary methods. Um, we've been totally transparent. We re-release re all our assumptions as we do them each week. We've released our residential formula to the public line by line. Uh, but if we don't have good data going into that, that's where it falls down. So we can get part of the weight. We can improve part of the way. But to get even better, to get to where our peers perform in New York and Boston and D.C. and other places, we need to have better commercial data. And we are going to talk about uh, getting better data uh, in just a little bit, but we uh, will continue our conversation with Fritz Kagi in just one minute after this message. Welcome to Synfron Explains. Today on Synfron Explains, we talk multicultural social media. We at Sinfronteras would like to challenge your thoughts on social media as it relates to different languages and cultures. Many campaigns believe that the best option is to translate all of their posts into different languages. However, we believe that there are far more differences between cultures than just their language. Think about setting up a separate social media presence for each relevant culture in your district. For example, set up a Latinos for You Facebook page. Then you can post content that is most relevant to Latinos living in your area. This will be a far more effective strategy than just hiring a translator. This is Jason Bauman from Sin Fronteras Media. I want to invite you to visit wewininillinois.com to learn how we can help you leverage digital data and effective messaging to win your next election. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is Cook County Assessor Fritz Kage. I want to talk about what we have seen from the assessments that you have been able to redo. Because yep. uh, if I'm a big business owner who's been fighting or paying lawyers to fight to keep my property taxes lower, uh, the chances of me seeing an increase in my assessment are probably pretty high, I would think. 
And are you getting sticker shock from a number of uh, entities? Yes. So uh, when you uh, go from a system where assessments were artificially low in a strange way that was not accountable to anything, when we're transferring to a system where we're operating according to the law, which is using the market valuations, it's it's been an adjustment because the culture has been entrenched and a lot of people are worried. Now, if there's one thing I've learned in this office since I came in, it's that you can own billions of dollars of real estate in Chicago. You can be a Fortune 500 CEO. You can be an elected official steeped in tax policy for decades. No one understands this system and we can all afford to learn more about it. And so I know, I know that on top of all the other to-dos that we have, we have to educate people more on how the system works. And the key thing to know is that in a, ch a change in your assessment, which can be a surprising jump going from the old number to a market value today, does not uh, mean that your taxes will go up in that proportion. Because if your assessment goes up at the same time as the total assessed value in your community also goes up, that means your share of total assessed value may increase, but not by as much as your total assessment increase. Um, and so, that's one of the things that we've had to educate folks on. So in Evanston, um, the assessment um, for apartment buildings in some cases doubled because they used a number that just had no relation to how apartments were valued before. And now we're using pretty conservative uh, estimates that reflect the numbers that people were representing to their lenders. And we have the actual information through their filings. But the increase in their taxes is actually going to be more on the order of based on what the Evanston CFO has told people preliminarily on the order of around 20%, maybe a little bit more. So what looks like a hundred percent increase uh, in taxes is only a hundred percent increase in assessment because of the way our assessment system works. So that look, that still doesn't make people happy, but when we go out and explain that, tell us where we're getting it wrong. Tell us how we've not, we're not valuing your property according to what it's worth in the market today. And we lay out our numbers there that people say, okay, um, I understand. Okay. I I'm starting to understand this. Just give me some certainty here because, um, I need to plan. I need to decide how to invest. I need to explain to my lenders and my investors, uh, how this works. And so that's why the bill that we're working on in Springfield is so important because we are very transparent in our methods now. But it's still hard for uh, the building owners out there to know uh, what numbers we'll put into our models. And the, the data bill that we're pursuing down in Springfield is really there to give that predictability and accuracy to everyone going forward. Let's talk about that. What would this bill do Is it if it's requiring information from where? So this is uh, Senate Bill 1379 is the data modernization bill. It passed the Senate 3616 in a bipartisan supermajority vote. What it would do is adopt a common sense framework that exists in other states, 17 other states, where um, commercial property owners submit to the assessor at the front end of the process, at the outset, their income and expenses on the properties that they own, um, the, their occupancy, so that then we can leverage... We're, we're in an office building downtown right now. We could look at all similar office buildings right now, get their data and average them. What's the average rent for this kind of building? What's the average expense? What's the average occupancy? And we could publish that number starting in the first quarter of next year so that then when we reassess Chicago in 2021, the owner of this building would have a real good idea of what their assessment would look like. And 
that provides predictability to their lenders, to their tenants, to someone who might want to buy this building. Um, and we think that can provide much more certainty and predictability and accuracy because um, we have decent data for buildings like this, but the data that we have on buildings in the neighborhoods is practically non-existent. And we can have really wide variations of error that can be greater than the margin between success and failure for an investor. And we think that reads, leads to de facto redlining, leads to investments not being made in the neighborhood. So it's really important to provide more certainty for investments to be made all over the county in a way that people can be more confident about. Are you getting much resistance uh, from industry types? Well, actually, we have uh, terrific support that covers the waterfront. So we have support from BMO Harris, which is one of the biggest lenders in the, in the area. We have the support from Brookfield Retail, which is one of the biggest retail property owners in the world. They own Water Tower Place. We have the support of uh, uh, residential developers like uh, Magellan Development, which owns many of the uh, multifamily buildings around here. We have support of Michael Alter, which is a big office building owner. Uh, we have support of developers who are building new projects. And we have the support of Sam Zell, which is a very capable <laughs> national operator. They all want, above all, predictability. Predictability is the coin of the realm when you're investing capital. You know, I used to be a portfolio manager, and I know uh, financial people hate risk. They hate uncertainty. And in the short term, we do have a little bit of uncertainty because of how we're changing the system here. But we can provide more predictability in the medium term starting next year uh, if the data bill is passed. Um, so it's now before the House, uh, House, Re House Revenue Committee. We're uh, really delighted to have uh, terrific sponsors and supporters. And you know, in addition to those real estate people I mentioned, we have the support of the Illinois assessors, county officials, the county board, income mayor, incoming Mayor Lightfoot, also school districts around the state, which suffer whenever someone wins an appeal because they have to write a refund check. They want more accurate assessments, too. Are there any or many people who will see new assessments and think it's good news? Well, yes. Uh, I, I think uh, in a variety of ways. First of all, anyone who gets more accuracy out of their assessment um, can be more confident when they are trying to raise capital to borrow against an asset, to buy an asset. Um, so that's, first of all, something that's good for everyone because it increases certainty and it stimulates investment. But also, um, uh, if people have been over-assessed before, they can feel better that we are assessing everyone better. You, you remember what I mentioned at the start of the show, good stewardship is something that everyone needs to believe in in this office. People also need to believe in good accuracy. Um, you can be more confident about your assessment if you feel like we're doing a better job on all those personal storage units, office buildings, everything else in a more predictable way and a more accountable way. Um, and and that, that helps you because again, we're all connected here. It's not just, you need to have confidence not only in your assessment, but in that we're assessing everyone fairly. And that's what the data bill is really there to, to give people better confidence that we can do a better, more accurate job on commercial assessments. And the last thing I wanted to mention is that it's very important for next year because next year we will be assessing the South suburbs the South suburbs sort of encapsulate all of the toughest problems that we have under the status quo. We don't have good data in a lot of these communities. They suffer from a lot of vacancy. They have high tax rates. They have leases that are signed today at very different levels from in the past. 
and the data bill will set us up to more appropriately assess those kinds of buildings. And the south suburbs can't afford us to be inaccurate because it's hard enough to attract investment there. We want to help them to be provide good assessments so that people can feel more confident investing there and, and people who live there can feel confident that they're only paying their fair share. So there's some urgency to get it done this session. But should businesses uh, in the south suburbs be concerned that when things are made more equal and more accurate, that they are going to get uh, a, a bit of a sticker shock, and could that hurt businesses in the south suburbs? Well, it, it actually, you know, people who who you know, first of all, the the two sponsors of uh, the bill both come from the south suburbs. So Toy Hutchinson was our sponsor in the Senate, and in the House it's Will Davis, and we have other co-sponsors that hail from from there as well. So uh, great credit to them. Toy Hutchinson was a wonderful shepherd uh, going through the the Senate and Will has been terrific. He's the assistant majority leader in the House and he's uh, our lead sponsor on the bill. Um, people who own assets on the commercial side in the, in the South suburbs are, are backing us too. The South suburban mayors and managers are backing us on this bill because above all, if you want to invest in a mall, if you want to attract tenants to a mall in the South suburbs, you need, they need to be really confident that that assessment's accurate so that they can price their leases appropriately. Right now, um, it is hard for someone to be attracted to sign a lease there because they don't know where the assessment will go. And when there's that uncertainty, it leads to vacancy. So um, we can better deal with vacancy. And you know the other thing that's good for businesses in the South suburbs, and uh, com uh, Commissioner Donna Miller has been a leader uh, on this issue is there's been a lot of exploitation of vacant properties because we don't have good vacancy data. We can change our policies about vacancy to encourage the occupancy of these properties, not to reward vacancy, um, and thereby build the base, which helps every other commercial property owner, which is honestly, diligently trying to utilize its space. We think as a general matter, we have been encouraging vacancy in some cases by dropping the assessment by 90% when people keep their properties vacant, stashing them, hoping to make their financial payoff when they sell the property for the underlying land value. Meanwhile, they hurt their communities by depriving them of sales tax revenue, the vitality that, that neighboring businesses they deserve eating away at the tax base, and also not putting people to work in the neighborhood that can spend money. So these are all uh, vacancies, a real big problem, and we can really get at that problem with this bill, and that's why commercial property owners uh, like to see this. Let me raise one other concern. We've got about a little bit more than a minute left, and but if assessments cause rental rates for office buildings to go up, this is a concern that some mm -hmm. people who've argued sure. against the changes you're, you're yep. making, could that serve to drive uh, away business because the assessments go up, the companies raise their rental rates. Could that push businesses out? First of all, um, what I'd like to say is that our job is to use market prices and not play favorites. I'm in assessing people. We think that's the original sin. If I play favorites because I think, gee, I should, I should help out this one group. I'm doing a disfavor and pushing the burden on everyone else. So first of all, as a good steward, you wouldn't want me to do that, and I won't do that. But second of all, uh, as a 
former investor, I know how competitive rents here are in Chicago versus our peers in the rest of the country. And even a change in taxation will not dramatically change the competitive advantage that our office space has here in Chicago. Furthermore, there's an abundance of office space, more deliveries coming, um, even as the population is staying relatively stable. I think that issue is a kind of a red herring. We have terrific competitive advantages here. Um, you know, I was based out of here, traveling around the world, visiting over 40 countries in my old job, and having direct connections being the centrality that we have, not only in the United States, but on the globe, is a terrific competitive advantage that ain't gonna disappear. That is Cook County Assessor Fritz Kage. Thank you for spending this time with us. Thanks, Craig. Uh, to our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website, wbbmnewsradio.com. Follow the podcast links. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.